All right. We're going through First Peter, and it's going to take uh, 18 weeks to do it, and uh, we'll get through it. And it's a great book. And so we're on First Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 16 tonight. And so the first thing I did is I printed it all out, the whole book, and then I went through it numerous times looking for those uh, sections of verses that are like a complete uh, message or thought. So each of those sections will be a, a, a sermon. And so they kind of fit together. And so just like in conversations, you'll talk a little bit about this, and then you'll switch over to this, and then you'll switch over to this. Well, they're writing, doing the same things. And so there's breaks, changes, and topics as they move along. And so I always try to find where those are and so that I don't break them in an unnatural spot. So tonight this passage is sort of a unit as a whole, so I'll read it. As to this salvation, and so the first nine verses we talked about our salvation and uh, Jesus paying for it. To this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. Now that's a really interesting passage, and what it means is that God... The Holy Spirit working in the prophets years before Peter writes this. They wrote what uh, the Holy Spirit led them to write. And then when they got all done writing, they looked at it and said, now what does that mean? And uh, they could see that there was prophecy for the future, but they didn't understand a lot of what they wrote. Because they were writing about the future. They hadn't been there about events and things that were going to occur that they had not experienced. So it was kind of an interesting thing for them to write by God's leading and prompting through the Spirit of God. Get all done and then say, okay, let's see if we can figure this out or not. So it says they made careful searches and inquiries. That's into what they wrote. Their own writings. The book that they wrote. Seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. And so they're trying to figure out what they wrote by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, especially when it came to the Messiah, because they had this idea that the Messiah was going to be this uh, guy on a horse with a, and a, a, a shield and a, and, a, and a sword, and he was going to kill all their enemies and, and make them victorious. So this part about the suffering Messiah... That really confused them. And so they're trying to figure this thing out. And so they're making careful search and inquiry, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ. Christ, that was the Messiah, and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, that is us, the church in the future. As they wrote, they were communicated to by God. This is not for you, it's for them, for us in the future. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And so there he's saying, now we have prophets, now we have teachers that are explaining this to us and telling us what it means today. Things into which angels long to look. So the prophets didn't get it, neither did the angels. Um... Therefore, now that's a key word in this passage. This is a a unit starting in the beginning and finishing with verse 16. And this word therefore is the pivot point. It's like the teeter-totter. 
that they don't have anymore uh, because kids might hurt themselves. But on the teeter-totter, there's a pivot point. And that word, therefore, is the pivot point. And so he gives us profound truth in the first verses. And then he's going to say, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Three commands. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy in yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So that's the section. So now we'll look at it in a little bit more detail. Number one in your notes, since the beginning, there have been periods of time in history that are unique and have a special purpose with God. We can call them chapters. So one chapter would be Adam and Eve. What was unique about that chapter? Just Adam and Eve. What else is unique about that chapter? They only had one command. And then you could go on and describe what that chapter was like. And then they eat the banana. And the next chapter starts. And you can read about that. And how many commands did they have in that chapter? The only one I can find is if you kill anybody, then you get killed. That's pretty much the only command there was. But a whole bunch of people did a whole bunch of killing anyway. And then you have the flood And that chapter is over, and then you start a new chapter. Noah gets off the ark, and God gives him some commands. How many? Not very many. That would have been kind of nice. You could remember those five fingers. Okay, yeah, 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 got it. I won't forget what they are. And then they moved along, and then there was another chapter when God decided to zero in on one group of people. Began with Abraham. And he had a son. And all the stories in the Bible now zero in on them. And it really took on a definition when they left Egypt. Led by Moses. The Red Sea opened up. Whole new chapter, period of time starts as God deals with the nation of Israel. And then the cool one. The one that Tracy Rowe is in. Is after Jesus was crucified... And buried and rose from the dead in the day of Pentecost. Now we are in a chapter that we will call the church age. There was no church before that. But now we are in the church age. So there are these various times, blocks, chapters. In which God's dealing with people in different ways. Daniel chapter 9 verse 25. So you are to know and discern. That from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Until Messiah the Prince. There will be seven weeks and 62 weeks it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Now, if we had time, we could talk about that. But it's describing a period of time, a week with seven years. And so you got 62 weeks, 62, seven years. And then you got seven. And you can look and see the history of that particular block of time that's talked about. Luke 21, 24. They will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive for all the nations of And Jerusalem will be tempted, trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. The times of the Gentiles was a particular 
chapter. Times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Matthew 1.17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. From the deportation, deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. There you got three chapters. Daniel 2.44. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed and that kingdom will not be left for another people. God will set up a kingdom. There's this, another chapter. Revelations 22 through 3. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. There you have a period of time, a chapter. And he throws away the key and locks him up and uh, we have a really great time on the planet earth during that chapter. Number two, the prophets prophesied about the various periods of time and their distinctives, but they didn't understand much of what they wrote. It was a mystery, a mystery to them. Now, if you are a serious Bible student and you want to do a little Bible study on a topic, you can take your handy-dandy little uh, uh, Bible study help in your phone that you have, if you have one, and look up the word mystery and look at all the references to it and do a study on the various mysteries. A mystery was something that had previously been unrevealed. And so God didn't reveal everything there was to know in the book of Genesis. This was some in Genesis, and then there's some in Exodus, and you go all along, and God progressively reveals truth that had not been previously known. And when it is revealed, then it says, here's a mystery. And now we know the answer to the mystery. And so one of the mysteries was the church. One of the mysteries was the Holy Spirit living in us. And uh, the prophets wrote about these, but they didn't get it. Made no sense to them. They tried to figure it out. <clears throat> so let me read our passage again with that little bit of information. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, the grace that would come to you, made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So the prophets didn't get it, the angels didn't get it. Matthew thirteen seventeen. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's explaining things to them. And he says, many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear, did not hear it. Luke 24, 25. And he said to them, oh foolish men and slow of heart. To believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter? This is Jesus risen from the dead. Talking to a couple disciples who didn't recognize who he was. 
Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Jesus went through the whole Old Testament explaining to them about himself in the Old Testament that they didn't get. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Number three, Jesus leaving heaven and becoming a man was a major mystery. So you're an Old Testament saint and you're looking forward to the Messiah, the nation of Israel. And someone uh, says you read that the Messiah, God, is going to leave heaven, become a man. That doesn't make any sense. So they didn't get it. Ephesians chapter 3, let's see, number 4. God didn't even explain the future to the angels. They just had to wait and see. Can you see that angels, hey, Father, God, could you give us a hint to what's going on down there? It doesn't make any sense. Could you kind of explain things? Ephesians 3.10, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's angels. Wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. See, they're getting it by watching you and me. They're kind of seeing it unfold, but God's not telling them the plot of the story. Number five, a major mystery to the prophets was the idea of a suffering Messiah. They only understood a conquering Messiah. And so if you ask the question, why did the nation of Israel reject Jesus as their Messiah? Because... That's not what they were looking for. That's not what they were imagining, anticipating. A Jesus like Jesus that was uh, not killing people and conquering and ruling. They didn't like this uh, Messiah that Jesus was living. Isaiah 53.3. This is Isaiah wrote this. It's been there all the time, but it was one of those passages. They would read it, and they would scratch their head. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, He did not esteem, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, our sorrows he carried. We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. Now, we get it now. We're looking backwards on history, and it makes perfect sense. But before the cross, that was like a head-scratcher. Didn't make any sense. You ever read the book of Revelation and say, Ah, don't. Get this. And uh, if you do that, that's because it's in the future. And yeah, it doesn't fit. You kind of don't get all the... And that's the same thing they went through reading the book of Isaiah. Just didn't make any sense to them. They didn't get it. Number six, the church, as a set-apart people, very special to the Messiah, was a major mystery to the prophets. So the church was not mentioned in the Old Testament. It was a 
mystery not revealed, not talked about in the Old Testament. And so Paul talks regularly in his writings about the church, the mystery of the church. And he, Paul, was the first one who wrote and revealed God's truth about the church. Number three, uh, number seven, we have the amazing blessing of living during this present period of time called the church age or the time of grace. You ever have this experience? You're watching on television a movie about the Romans or the Greeks battling with their swords and their shields and there's thousands of them all and they're whacking each other and people are dead everywhere. Do you ever watch one of those and think, I could be there, but I'm not. I'm here. Different periods, different chapters through the course of human history. We could have been in any one of those situations and circumstances, but we're not. We're here. Why are you here instead of there? Because God put you here. And so what I ought to say every single day is, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that I wasn't a Roman soldier. Thank you that I didn't live in those countries, many that never heard the gospel. Thank you that I was born in the state of Washington and I was raised in a Christian home and I went to church and I heard the gospel and I believed in Jesus and I was baptized and I grew up with good training and teaching and here I am and how much of that is I can take credit for? Not much. It's simply God's gift to me and to you. So the writer Peter gives us that first section of these periods of time that have occurred, but we're here in this chapter, in this period of time. The key word in this passage, number eight, is the word therefore. So whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you always ask the question, What's it there for? As to this salvation, I'll read again the passage. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come, the grace, that's where we are living now, in the age of grace, that would come to you, to us, to me, made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow, the glories to follow, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, me, us, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. That would be the Apostle Paul and uh, mostly things into which angels long to look. Therefore, there it is. Okay, we've got that first information. Now, what ought that to do to me and to you? Ought to motivate us. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, 
Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So the first part of that motivate us to be and to pursue the second part. Number nine, the information of verses 10 through 12 was intended to motivate us to pursue holiness. So do I have to be holy to get to heaven? Nope. Not a requirement. So why be holy? Because I want to be. Because I want to be. Because Jesus is. And because I love him. Because of the fact that I live now instead of 10,000 years ago. Because I've experienced the grace, the simple grace of being here in the church age, hearing the gospel, in the family of God, forgiven, born again, headed for heaven. And as I understand that, grasp the full meaning of what I am, where I am, what I've experienced. Paul says, therefore, be holy. You don't have to be, but you ought to want to be. Number 10, Peter gives three steps to take in pursuit of holiness. So it doesn't leave us uh, not knowing what to do. Three steps. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Do you know what that is? Prepare your minds for action. That means set a goal. Yeah, think about it. Prepare your minds for action. Decide what you're going to do. Think about how you're going to act. Plan your future. Prepare your minds for action to do something. Set a goal. That's one of the best verses in the Bible to justify goal setting. People ask me, where's goal setting in the Bible? Okay, I'll give you about a dozen of them. And this is one right here. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Keep sober. You know what that means? That means look at your own life. Examine your life. Figure out who you are, where you are, what needs to change, how you need to grow. Look in the mirror, as it were. Uh, Think reflectively. What are your blind spots? What are your character flaws? When you have a fight with your wife, assume the blame and figure out what it is you did. Think soberly. Uh, let's just be honest, be transparent. Uh, don't excuse, don't justify, don't blame, don't pretend. Who are you? Really? What needs fixed? What needs changed? What do you need to grow? Prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, and then fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's Heaven. That's the kingdom. The millennium. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you in the future when you enter into glory. Think about it all the time. All the time. All the time. I'm going to step through the door. You know those movies like... uh, um, I can't think of the names of them. Um, One really popular... um, Narnia, Narnia things. They, 
They're in this room and there's this door. You remember the movie? You've seen the movie? They step through it, poop, in a different place, just like that. So there's going to come a day when I step through the door. It may be because Jesus comes or because I die and I step through the door and I'm in a different place. I have a glorified body that is like the body of Jesus and I will stand before him, the Bible says, and give an account, a reckoning for what I've done in this life, how I've lived. And then I will be rewarded for the things that I've done in this body for the Lord Jesus in this life. I will be rewarded Those rewards will be very, very significant and cool. One of the major rewards will be glory. Glory. Some people will get a little bit of glory and some people will get a huge amount of glory. Here's how I imagine that to happen. Things are just hopping in heaven and all of a sudden Jesus shouts, Stop what you're doing. I want to tell you all a story. And he tells a story about Tracy Rowe. And when he finishes, everybody says, yay! Cool. Then a little bit later, he says, stop what you're doing. And he tells a story. He tells a story about Dave. And everybody cheers and claps. How would it be? You've been in heaven for 10,000 years. Not one time. As Jesus told a story about you. Now you're still in heaven. You still have a glorified body. But you haven't gotten much glory. See we were created for that. Glory that we received from Jesus. Because of what we did in this life. He says fix your hope completely on the future. The day you stand before Jesus. And give an accounting. And are rewarded for the things you've done in your life. Now that motivates me. The thought of having Jesus give me glory forever for what I've done for him. Uh, It's not competition. It's genuine. uh, And it's right and it's good, the glory that he will give us when we get there. Uh, Number 11, I kind of got ahead of myself there. Number 11, prepare your minds for action, set goals. Number 12, keep sober. What needs changing? Look in the mirror. Be honest, transparent. 13, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I am going to live with Jesus forever. That's the hope you focus on. I'm going to live with him forever and ever and ever and ever. 14, the standard... The standard for holiness is high. How holy ought you to be that you ought to work for, aim for, like the Holy One? That's Jesus. Be holy in all your behavior, just like Jesus. Now, you ever read that, think about that, and say, you got to be kidding me. I I can pull that off for 30 minutes. It's sort of like stretching a rubber band and all of a sudden it snaps back. And I am who I am. Now it isn't going to happen overnight. That's what life is about. All of life, all of life, this day, the next day, the day after that, the day after that, every day you're just taking a step 
every day moving in the direction of becoming like Jesus Christ in holiness. You don't want to plateau and you don't want to backslide. You want to every day move closer and closer to being like Jesus. Now, if you prepare your minds for action, if you're sober in spirit, thinking about who you are, where you are, what needs fixing, what needs changing, then think about the day you stand before Jesus. Every day, you make one little step. Next day, one little step. Next day, another step. You just keep moving. You don't have to move real fast if you keep moving to make a ton of progress in who you are and the way you live and the way you talk and how you treat people as you move towards being like Jesus. I'll read the last verses again. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy. Be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Number 15, the difficulty of the goal of holiness ought not to discourage or intimidate us, but to motivate us. Why? Be holy. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Why should that motivate you? Be holy. Because if God commands me to be holy in his word, that means I can. He would never command you or me to be or to do something that we can't do. I can do that. He commanded me to. And therefore, he will give me everything that I need to make it happen. 16, because holiness is the will of God, and therefore he will grant us what we need to accomplish it. Be holy. And he doesn't throw us into the deep end of the pool and expect us to pull it off on our own. He gives us everything we need. Everything we need. He gives us instruction. He gives us power. And he gives us the church. So that every day we can take a little baby step in the direction of being more like Jesus. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. He died on the cross for her so that he might sanctify her. You know what that word sanctify means? To make holy. That he might sanctify us having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. How's that happening? That he, Jesus, might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself as his bride, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. 17, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit to give us the power of God to live the Christian life successfully. So in the Old Testament, periodically you'll see a statement like in the book of Judges where 
Samson picks up the jawbone of a donkey and kills a bunch of Philistines. It says there that the Spirit of God came upon him, gave him this supernatural power to do what was physically, humanly impossible. So when that event was over, then the Holy Spirit was no longer in him, on him. That was a point in time in which the Spirit came on him for a task to do. When the task was over, the Spirit was gone. And so when we talk about the various periods of time and we get to where we are today, beginning on the day, at the day of Pentecost, a very unique situation for us, and that is the Holy Spirit came, the third person to the Trinity, and lives in us and dwells us. And we have supernatural power from God living inside of us. Never before did anybody have that. Just now, in the church, day of Pentecost marked the beginning of when the Spirit comes and lives inside those who are followers of Jesus. And when the rapture occurs and the body, the bride is complete, that's the end of that. So, I don't know if you knew it or not, but I'm special. God lives inside of me in the person of the Holy Spirit. He indwells me. Has since the day I trusted Christ. And I have his power. I just have to learn how to walk in the Spirit. To depend on the Spirit. I just have to learn how to be Spirit-led. And as I figure that out, with other people's help, And God working, I become every day more like Jesus, more holy, more righteous because of his power working in me. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. Our adequacy is from God who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. New covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Not like the Old Testament where I had a whole bunch of rules. Now we have the Holy Spirit and we live by the Spirit. And we are adequate. That is, we have all that we need to be what God wants us to be because of the Spirit of God in us. 18, we are given the title Bride of Christ. That's who we are. We are a unique group of people in all of history. We are the eternal companion of Jesus Christ. No other group can say that. We, the church, are the ones that are seated with Jesus on his throne, with him. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's the church, the bride of Christ, that's with him for eternity. No other group is going to be with him in the way we are. I think, wow, I could have been born a thousand years, 10,000 years ago, any time, but I was born in this age of grace by God's choosing and I heard the gospel and I have the spirit and therefore I ought to be motivated like crazy to be holy like him I have the power to do it 19 uh, let's see Ephesians 2 6 through 7 Raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Raised us, that's me, that's you. Seated us with him, with Jesus, in the heavenly places in Christ. So that in the ages to come, 
He might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In the ages to come, he's going to keep pouring out his grace on us. Number 19, our greatest gift from God in the pursuit of holiness is the body life of our church. So what I need to do is to learn how to live with you as a church because God changes me through you. God blesses me through you. God encourages me through you. God chastises me through you. And together as we function as the body of Christ, we will grow uh, holy and pure. Uh, It requires humility on our part for that to happen. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build up one another. There's all kinds of verses in the New Testament that say that over and over and over and over again. Number 20, God has granted to us everything that we need to be like him. But the command to be holy still must be obeyed. Uh, That meaning you can't go home and sit down on the couch and drink Diet Pepsi and eat popcorn and watch football all your life and expect that you're going to become holy. You, me, we have got the principles in the word of God and we obey them as obedient children. We follow him. We serve him. He grants us the power. He gives us the fellowship, the encouragement. Everything that we need to be exactly like him is ours. But we have to say, that's what I want. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Set your mind completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Examine your life. Think about what needs changed. Set some goals. What, need, what do I need to do? And think every day about the day you step into glory. And Jesus says, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. That's what you want to hear. And so... I have you, you have me, together we can live this life. We've got the Holy Spirit living in us and we have the full understanding of where we could have been but aren't. So therefore, let's pursue holiness and become like him. I can do that. God wouldn't command it if I couldn't. And I have all that I need to do it if I choose to. And if you do as well, we can become holy even as he is holy. I, I like the thought of that, being holy even as Jesus is. And I like the thought of the fact that I can actually do that. That can happen. It's not an impossible command. I can be a person that is incredibly pleasing to Jesus by the way I talk, and the way I walk, and the way I treat people, and the choices I make. Because I have the power to do it through him. And I have the companion of the church. And I have the motivation inside of me. The drive to make it happen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. I pray that each of us will be incredibly motivated to pursue holiness and righteousness. And not get content with being uh, just a little bit better than the world. But we would continue moving every day closer Uh, to who you are. And uh, you've granted us what we need, and we can do it. 
I just pray that we will want it and we will pursue it and we will be obedient children who are preparing our minds for action, choosing how we're going to live and act and uh, thinking about where we are, where we need to go and then always, Lord, thinking about our our eternity with you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for saving us. Thank you that I was born when I was born with the parents that I had and the circumstances in my life that I had. Thank you for shaping me like clay into your image. And Lord, I choose, I commit uh, to pursuing holiness because I know you'll grant me the power to succeed. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.